Today, uh, we are looking once again at the book of Proverbs. We're working our way basically verse by verse through one chapter of Proverbs. And again, Proverbs, it's an ancient writing that's been preserved for us by, written by the wisest man of the time. Uh, he was known for his wisdom around the world. People would actually travel from other parts of the world just to sit at his feet, just to be there and hear what he would have to say. People went to him for judgment. They went to him for advice. And uh, we have the preserved writings of this man called Proverbs in the Bible. And uh, we've been going through Proverbs chapter 3, but there are 31 divisions or chapters of Proverbs. And what I've said before is that's perfect for reading through in a month. You could read a chapter a day and read through the book of Proverbs. And I would encourage you, I know it's graduation season and uh, a lot of you are graduating to become a high schooler or a college uh, freshman or whatever, uh, whatever name that's supposed to be now, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, uh, you, you, can, you can read through the book of Proverbs in a month and gain a ton of wisdom because it's all over the place in life. And just one chapter that we're looking through, verse by verse, covers a lot of territory. And uh, we were just talking earlier uh, with the Vandermolens on missionaries to Cambodia, and they were saying how that uh, verse five and six were like their verses that they were hanging on to last year. And I said, we just were there last week. So uh, perfect timing. And uh, today we're looking at the next two verses. So if you have a Bible, Proverbs chapter three and verse seven and eight, here's what it says. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So I want to speak to you today on a topic that maybe has bothered you, maybe has been perplexing to you, maybe uh, is a little misunderstood, and so I want to hopefully help you today to understand the fear of God, the fear of God. Now, I don't know how you've heard about it. Uh, I've heard about it in different ways. I've heard people say, I'm going to put the fear of God in you. you ever, anybody ever hear that? Okay. Uh, I'm going to put the fear of God in you. And um, so there's a lot of different ways that I think this has been used. So I want to look this morning at what it really is. What, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about the fear of God? There's over 435 times that the fear of God is mentioned in the Old Testament. That's a lot. Turn to somebody and say, that's a lot, right? How many online? That's a lot, right? It's a lot. And, and so something mentioned that much, we better know what it's talking about. 
We need to know what in the world is God trying to say to us. But I want you to, first of all, understand this fear is not the same fear that maybe you have riding a roller coaster or perhaps spiders or driving around a roundabout in Avon, Indiana. Um, maybe another way that you have heard this used, and I, I've heard this this way, uh, agree with me in the chat if, if you've heard this, well, he's a God-fearing man. You ever heard that? Just raise your hand in the chat, all right? And you in the room, how many heard that? Yeah, God-fearing man. And so what, what are people referring to when, when they talk about someone being a God-fearing person? In the Old Testament, there's um, in this original word that's used here, uh, it's a root word, yara. Everybody say yara, okay? And, and yara means this. It means to fear, to honor and to worship. Okay, so, so it's a lot different than just how we label things fear. You know, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. It, instead, it carries with it this feeling of respect, a, a feeling of almost being in awe of someone else. In, um, in an expectation of obedience even as a result of that awe or that respect. So in the Eastern culture, uh, this would be very normal because in much of the Eastern culture, they would have revered old age. They, they would have revered their elders they, they would have been somewhat in awe of them. Wow, you have lived how many decades? 10 decades? You're, you're 100 years old? They would just honor you. And, and if you were 80, if you were 70, you know, the older you were, the more respect often that you would be given. You know, a special seat at the table, special uh, courtesies that would be offered to you because there would be this respect Level. So in the Western culture, we, we don't always understand this, but to get it into perspective, here's maybe something you can relate to. Uh, I, I remember when our daughter was learning to swim. Anybody remember that either personally or if you have a child? And, and as a parent, that's kind of a angst moment, right? You know, because you're like, you know, I, I want them to enjoy the pool, but I, I don't want to lose them in the pool. You know, I, don't, I don't want my kid to wind up losing their life in, in, in the pool. And so what you do is, and, and this is what we did, is we taught a respect for the water, not a fear of the water, because I don't want her to be afraid of it, 
but I don't want her to not have respect for it as well. Especially, you know, when you go to the ocean, right? You know, I, I don't want her to be afraid of the ocean, but I do want her to be in awe of it and have a respect for it. You know, I've never been whitewater rafting. How many people whitewater rafted? Okay, several of you, okay. Uh, I don't know, put an oar online or something. I don't know uh, if you've been whitewater rafting. The closest I've ever come is canoeing, okay? I have gone canoeing. And uh, I remember when we were going on a canoe trip as a youth group growing up in church, and we were going to go on this canoe trip, and, and uh, it had been a rainy-type season, so uh, the water was a little higher than normal, and they warned us there were going to be rapids and different things. And, and we pull our canoe out, and we start going down the river. And as we're going down the river, we're not too awfully far, and there is this huge, massive rock right in the middle of the river. And um, so I'm with this guy, and he's in the back of the canoe. And um, so I see the rock. You cannot miss the rock, okay? That is just how big the rock is. And, and so uh, we, we set out, and I'm thinking, now one thing we don't want to do is hit that rock, you know? And, and there should be no reason to hit that rock because there's more water than rock. But as we got closer and closer, we are heading for the rock. And, and finally, I'm yelling, you know, like, do you see the rock? You know, we, we're getting closer because I'm rowing. And I don't know, I didn't have eyes in the back of my head. I just got a feeling that every time I rowed on the left, he rowed on the right. <laughs> I, I just have that feeling. And, and then when I would switch, I think he switched. Because we just went straight. And, and I'm thinking, you're, you're, as far as I know, you're to guide us. You know, you're to help us. And so at the last minute, he did start to guide us sideways. Uh, and sideways, we smack this rock and flip over. And, and I mean, just minutes into this voyage, I am soaking wet. Anybody ever been soaking wet in a canoe at about 90 degrees in central Indiana? It is not something to seek out, okay? It's not something you want to do. But that's as close as I can. But then there were some rapid areas, and we actually made it through that. We didn't even get wet in that area. So I don't know what whitewater rafting is like, but what I do know is, is you better respect the water. You, you, better, you better have an awe of where you're at. And so that kind of sets the tone. Maybe that helps you to understand a little bit uh, of what the author is talking about here. Because he says, we're in awe, we're in reverence, we're respecting God is where he's referring to. Now, I just want to say to everybody, everybody watching, everybody listening, everyone here today, we all do this somewhere in our lives. Okay, we, we kind of get this principle somewhere in our lives. We, we reverence something, we hold something, 
special. For some, it could be football. Because you, you say, I, listen, bless God, I have season tickets. And I am not going to miss a game. And you won't. I mean, your family can have all kinds of stuff going on, but, well, I'll be at the game. You know, because that's where I go. And you reverence. And maybe you don't have season tickets. Maybe you just commit to be in front of your television set home or away games that I will not miss a game. And, and there's like almost nothing that can interfere with that. Others of you, maybe it's not football, maybe it's just the TV itself. Maybe it's a show and you're like, I will watch the entirety of this season. You know, I, I will Watch the. I, I am not going to miss one episode of this show, and and so you're like diehard. You're you're like committed. So here's what I want to ask you in light of what we've read: Do you have respect for God? Do you have that kind of awe and respect for God that you say, you know what? Nothing will get in the way of my commitment to the living God. N nothing's going to interfere with that. You know, I, in other words, maybe what that looks like for some of you is I will be in church. You know, I will be in church. I'm not going to let anything happen. Somebody says, oh, we're having this on Sunday. I say, well, I'll be there after church. You know, I, I'm not going to be there during church, but I will be there after church. And, and for others of you, maybe it's, it's a commitment to the reading of God's word. Maybe you're like, I am going to read the scripture every day. You know, there's not going to be a day that goes by that I'm not going to read the scripture. And, and I may not read as much as I'd like, but I'm going to read something. I'm going to make sure I spend some time reading God's word every day. For those of you, it's prayer, and, and not just prayer as far as, you know, because a lot of us are really good at telling God things, but you have the ambition of hearing from God each day. So, so like, you're, you're, you go like the second mile. You're diehard. You're, you're in awe of God. You're like, God, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know, but you could tell me a ton of what I don't know. Come on, somebody, right? So I, I need to hear from you. So I don't know what this looks like in your life, but the scripture is filled with examples of how fearing God is a positive in your life. That, that it's a positive rather than a negative thing. I'm, I want us to read Proverbs 9, okay? A few chapters later, uh, this is something that the writer Solomon comes back to. And here in Proverbs 9.10, in the New Living Translation, it says this. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of what? Wisdom. All right? It's where wisdom begins. Knowledge of the Holy One. Here's what happens when you revere God and fear Him and stand in awe of Him. It results in good judgment. 
How many want to make good choices? How many are tired of making bad ones, right? You had enough of those in your life. And, and so Solomon says, well, if you want to make better choices and you want to have wisdom in your life, here's an ingredient. Here's something you need to have in your life. And, and just like you would teach your daughter or your son to respect the pool, respect God. Be in awe of him. It doesn't mean you don't get in. It, it means you understand. You stand in awe of the ocean. You stand in awe of God's wisdom. You stand in awe of who he is. Now, Paul comes along in the New Testament and he talks about this topic too. So again, this topic, the fear of God, it's huge. And, and it's bigger than just, well, they've got the fear of God in them or, or they're a God-fearing person. It's, it's a huge topic. And when Paul wants to talk about it to the Roman Christians, he sets out to talk about sin first. And uh, he, he begins to share with them what sin is like and how sin affects our lives. And in Romans chapter three, he says, you know, there's, there's worthlessness. There's a feeling. How many know you can have a feeling of worthlessness in life, right? Some of you, maybe you're watching online right now and you feel like life is worthless. And, and Paul says, hey, that's real. You can feel that way. And, and Paul says, and I'm going to tell you where that comes from. He, he says that, that people run to shed blood. In other words, Paul is getting ready to tell us, here's where violence comes from in culture. He, he says, here's where deceit comes from. Have you ever been tricked? You know, or you didn't read the fine print on something? Oh, oh is it right there? Oh, hold on, you know. <laughs> like, wow, I need a, need a magnifying glass to, to read that. Paul says bitterness, misery in life. You want to know where it comes from? Let's read it together. Here's where he says this comes from. In verse 18 of Romans chapter 3, there is no fear of God before their eyes. He says, that's where it comes from. The, the, the violence, the deception, the lying, the thieving, the feeling of worthlessness in life, all of these negative things. Paul says, I'll, I'll identify, I'll, I'll just tell you where it comes from. There's no fear of God before their eyes. How many would say amen to that? Right? It, you've experienced that. So it's clear that fearing God is a good thing. And here's what I would go on to say with Paul and his comparison here is it helps you, it helps me not to cave into sinful behavior. Because when you say, well, he's a God-fearing person, how many say, well, then I want to do business with him? Isn't that true? Why? It's because, well, if he fears God, 
he probably isn't going to cheat me. If he fears God, he's probably going to tell the truth. If he fears God, then he's probably going to have kindness. Hello? In his life. How many have met people, if you've met people or know people that seem to have the fear of God in their lives online, just, just raise your hand, all right? Just, that's me. I, I know somebody like that. They keep their word. And the Bible tells us that we're to fear God and love God. And this is how the two go together because they're not in contradiction to each other. They're not in conflict with each other. And there's actually promises to people, and I don't have time. I, this, is, this is a great assignment, okay? Just look up all the fear verses in the Bible. Just look them all up, and, and you'll see many of these promises, promises of provision protection, prosperity, prolonged days, perpetuity. Let me, let me just read a couple of them for you. Again, from Proverbs, Here, here's what Solomon says later on in Proverbs 22, verse 4. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord, you want to know what they are? They're riches, honor, in life. How many say, I'll take some more of that? You know, and, and if you didn't raise your hand, I'll take your portion too, all right? Right? How, how about you? You're like, hey, huh? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's awesome. Riches, honor, and life come to the person. I'm trying to help you today. If you'll get a right attitude, if you'll get fear of the Lord in a right perspective, here's what Solomon says, and he knows it by personal experience. He says, riches, honor, and life will come to you. And Jesus put it this way, and this is how we talk about it around here, is life and life to the full. Not just going through life, but life going through you. His life going through you. And, and Solomon says, this, this is how it happens. Look at this next verse. In Psalm 103, this is Solomon's dad talking. He says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. I want somebody to know today that if you have an awe and a fear and a respect of the living God in your life, it's gonna affect your home and it's gonna affect your children and it's gonna affect your children's children and, and there's gonna be a ripple effect and there's gonna be a prosperity in your life, spiritual blessing, the favor. Two weeks ago, we talked about the favor of God. The favor is gonna be on you, upon your children and upon their children and their children and their children. So this is something I want. This is something you want too. 
If you're rearing your kids and maybe you're having trouble and difficulties and challenges and whatever, it doesn't mean it's not going to work out you know, perfect or whatever. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a blessing. There's going to be a favor that's going to come upon your family. So how many believe we need to cultivate a fear of God? Right? We, we need to cultivate and, and, and it's a healthy fear, an astonished devotion. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul goes on to say this. Continue to work out your salvation. I grew up hearing this verse. Work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. In other words, with, with a holy fear and an awe of God that, that it almost causes you to tremble. Now, I want you to know that, that God wants us to be in such awe of him. And here's what I think happens. Is the more you see of him, the more this happens. Okay? And, and let me just go ahead and step on somebody's toe today. Um, if I haven't done that already. If you say, oh, the, the big guy in the sky, you know, the big guy, you know, or whatever. Here's my opinion when, when somebody says that is you don't know God. Okay. Because that sounds disrespectful to me. He, he's, nowhere is he called the big guy in the sky. Okay. As a matter of fact, the Hebrews coming out of Egypt had a name for him that they said, it's so holy, we can't even say it with our lips. It, it can't even pass through our lips. So we, we don't even say his name because it's just too holy. It's too mighty. It's too powerful. I wonder how many of us, we have such a respect for God that it's like I, I can't hardly even say his name. Because he's just so holy. And, and I'm so unholy. Hello? I, I'm so unholy. But yet, through Jesus, he's made a way for me to be able to call him Father. Wow. And awesome. I tell you, that's who he is. He's my father. He's not the big guy in the sky. He's not the big dude up there. He's not, you know, whatever. He's, he's God, but he's my father. And I stand in awe of him today. In awe of him. Here, here's what else Solomon's dad said. Psalm 31, verse 19. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. In other words, let, let me just stop here. Some people think God is up there like, oh, there he is. Right? You know, like, oh, there. Mm. Push it down further. What do you think of that? You know, no, that's not the image of God. David who, listen, had to run for his life, okay? He had to run for his life. His boss was trying to kill him. I don't mean fire him. I mean kill him. 
okay? I know you might have a bad boss or whatever, but unless they pull a gun on you every time you show up at work, you probably don't have as bad of a boss as David did. And David went through all that. His son went through a rebellion, tried to steal the kingdom away from him. He, he had horrendous times. And he says, you know what my father, what my God is? He's good. He's good. He's got good things stored up for those who fear him that you bestow in the sight. In other words, God wants to show off through you. Did you know that? He he wants to open doors that nobody else can open. He, he wants to do things, and you know, I was just reading this morning in, in this, a little devotional le- reading about Peter and about how Peter got locked up in prison and the church went to prayer, and, and next thing you know, Peter got out. And the church was still praying, and they, they didn't even understand what was going on. He knocked on the door, and, and someone came to the door and said, oh, is Peter out there? She didn't even open the door. He, and then the rest of them are like, you're crazy. You know, that, that can't be him. But here, here's what I want you to know. God does good things. He sets captives free, all right? He, he breaks chains. He, he liberates people. He, he sets people free today. Somebody is watching. Maybe you, you say, well, I've just not been free for a long, long time. Listen, today could be your day, all right? Today could be your day. Because David went through all kinds of stuff. And here's what he says. On those who take refuge in you. Okay, this is not, this is not one hour a week. Okay, this is not, yeah, I go to church. You know, I sing some songs and whatever. And then I go live like my neighbors. Then, Then I go live like my coworkers, basically. No. This, these are, this promise, listen to this, this promise is to people who today will sell out to God, who are so in awe of God that, listen, the stock market's not enough, that the government of the United States is not enough, that the people around me, my boss, my company, whatever, it's not enough. All of that is shaking sandy ground. I want to stand upon God. In my life. I'm going to take refuge in him. And when you do that, good things are going to come your way. All right, I want you to write down two words as we wrap this up this morning. Developing the fear of God, first of all, is reverencing God. Okay? And that begins with knowing who he really is. Okay? Because I don't know, some of you... I don't know if you know who he really is. Because here's what's happened to some of you. You've gone off of what somebody else told you. See, somebody else told you, oh, God's mean. Or God, God does this. Or God's not always nice. He's not faithful. I don't even know if there is a God or whatever. You, You get your advice from other people on who God is. The most important knowledge I think any person could ever have in their life is who is God. Hello? Because uh, it's eternity can ha- hang in the balance of that. And, and so don't just go on what I say. 
Okay? Here, here's what the scripture says. Psalm 89, verse 6. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? When I look up, I don't see anybody bigger. I don't, when I look up, I don't see anybody greater. When I look up, I don't see anybody that even compares to God. And then he says, who among the sons of the mighty can be like, okay, well, let's just look around here. We've got some powerful people. We've got some rich people. We've got people with some means. We've got people with some smarts. We've got people with intelligence. We've got people with different abilities, capacities. There's a lot of impressive people. But when I look around, who of them can compare to you? They're nothing. They're going to fade away. They're going to be in a box just like everybody else one day. And he says, so who can, none of them are like the Lord. Verse seven, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those who are around. Let me tell you something. The more I know about God, the more I love him and the more I say, oh, who am I? Who am I? That you are mindful of me. That you would listen to me when I call. I'm about to sing it. How many know that? I am a friend of God. Come on. I'm a friend of God today. And it's not because of me. It's because of him. And see, when I, when I have that kind of respect and awe of God, when I reverence him like that, listen... It keeps me where I need to be. It, it keeps me where I need to be. And it allows me to have a good perspective on life. And to understand that, that he's in charge. I, I don't have time. I, I was going to read the Ten Commandments. You can read them on your own. But uh, let me read two of them, all right? Uh, when God says, I don't have any... Don't have any other gods before me. Here's what he's saying. I am sovereign. I'm sovereign. When, when God says, don't make a graven image, he's saying, you know, I'm transcendent above all that. When, when, one more. When, when he says, don't take my name in vain, he's saying, because my name is holy. All, all of these, all the Ten Commandments, it's his character that he's showing. And he's saying, I'm just telling you, uh, and then, by the way, he gave those Ten Commandments after the people were delivered. So in other words, you don't get saved by doing the commandments. Okay? You, you don't get saved by doing the commandments or by saying, oh, I revere the Lord or whatever. You, you can fear the Lord. You can revere the Lord, but you don't know the Lord fully. See, you got to know him personally. And out of that personal relationship, now you're ready to really, truly stand in awe of him. All right, the next word to write down is referencing God. 
It's, it's not just about reverencing God, but it's about referencing God in our life. In other words, what are your guideposts in life? You know, like when you're getting ready to make it to say, oh, what should I do? You know, should I choose this? Should I go there? Should I, you know, what, what are your guideposts? What, what are the things that you look to, the anchors, the compass in your life that, that are like the reference points? And here's what Solomon said in, the ver, in our verses. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. And, and why would he say that? Because a lot of times that's what we do. You know, we, we just try to be wise in our own. Well, I'm trying to make a wise choice. Oh, you are. You, oh, have, have you ever made a bonehead decision before? Okay, then you're probably capable, fully capable of doing it again. Hello? And, and, and so here, here's what I would rather do. I would rather let God guide my life. We talked about this extensively last week, how we make our paths straight. In other words, there needs to be a north star. There needs to be something in our lives that cannot be shaken. There needs to be something that no matter if everything else is shifting, can somebody say 2020? You know, if everything else is shifting and moving around in our lives and uncertain, there's something that is certain that we can point to and say, even if all else goes, he remains. He remains. So it's not about a political party. Some of you, you make decisions based on politics, make decisions based on traditions of your own family, your own upbringing, your cultural ethnicity or whatever. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this choice because this is the way we do these things. Your family of origin or whatever, or maybe your education. Well, I was educated to believe this or my life experiences tell me. And, And you can use all those reference points. Or Solomon says, what's better is you can let God guide you. You can let God direct your life. And, and here's what I want to say is many of us, the most consistent way of guiding our lives is right here. Okay, we, we, we're going to, and I got to be quiet, we're going to ask Siri, okay, um, or Google to guide us or direct us. To, to, and I'm so glad for directions from my phone. I get lost a lot less. And, and that's awesome. I love my calendar app because it tells me where I need to be and what I need to do next and, and has alarms and all these wonderful things and everything. And I love the weather app because then I know what I need to put on that day and, and if I need my rain jacket or I don't. I love all of that. But let me tell you something. It's a very poor reference point in your life. And here's one of the reasons why is because we lie to our phone and our phone will lie to us. And did you know there's something called algorithms where, you know, if you just start searching for certain things and looking at certain things, all of a sudden your phone will say, oh, he likes this stuff. He wants more stories about this. 
And he wants them slanted from this perspective, not from the other perspective. And so what happens is, is we just get reinforced in what we already think. It's kind of like going and, and asking people for advice and waiting till you get with people that agree with you. And it's, oh, okay, now, now, yep, that's what I need to do. These 10 people didn't think I should, but this one agreed with me. And, and so what happens is, is, is we, get, we measure our lives and we measure how we're gonna live in life by the information that our phones give to us. We live by the information, I would say the affirmation that comes from our phone. But what if there's a higher way? What if there's a better way? What if there's a different way? What if when we reference God in our lives, we can be liberated from fear? Did you know that if you fear God, listen close, if you fear God, you won't fear God? See, if you stand in awe of who he is, and that's why Jesus is so awesome, because Jesus was so amazing, and he says, well, I, I just call him dad. I, I just call him father. And after Jesus, all the new disciples began to understand that this God who's able to do anything, who could crush us in a second, who, who could destroy us, who, who could do all these different things. And, and in the Bible, there's even stories about how he's like, mm, back away, Moses. I'll just fry them all. You know, I'll just you know, kill them all. And Moses is like, God, you can't do that because you're so awesome. You're so great. And God's like, I know. <laughs> I know. And, and listen, here, here's the thing, is this God brings us into relationship. So here, here's where I want to land today, is instead of being afraid to get in the pool and live your life, you know, oh, no, that, there's some water. I, I don't want to get close to that. Wouldn't it be more freeing and I would say, from personal experience, more enjoyable to be able to have an awe and a respect and get in. And that's what God invites us to today. He invites us into living water. And he says, hey, 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 I, I know I could just, you know, but. What I want to do is I want to bring you in and have you experience water from the inside out. And today, those of us, and I, I'm just going to be personal, having a personal relationship with the living God, I wouldn't take anything for it. I stand in awe of him. That, not, that, not that he would throw me into hell, but that he would let me go to heaven. Right? I stand in awe of a God 
who said one day, I'll come down personally and pay the price for you to be able to go. I stand in awe of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word helps reveal who you are to us. Not so we'll run away, but so we'll run to you. And God, that's what my personal experience has been. And God, I just thank you for it. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I've allowed other things to be more revered in my life than God lately. Some of my priorities have shifted, maybe because of the whole pandemic thing or whatever. Uh, you kind of got off kilter. I've talked to t- quite a few people that their faith just kind of took a back seat through the pandemic. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're online and you'd say, Craig, that's me. I, I feel like I need to come back to God. I, I need to just revere him as number one in my life all over again. And so today I just kind of rededicate my life to him. If that's your prayer, would you just raise a hand? That's you here. To, yeah. Hands all over this room. Online, just stretch your hand toward the screen. I'm going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, you know how we are. You know how we can get off track. And you know how our priorities can shift. But yet you're so gracious, so good to call us back. So today, for some of us, it's going to involve a realignment of our calendar. It's going to be an adjustment of our priorities so that you slide back up to the number one position that you alone deserve in our lives. No one, nothing is greater than you. And God, we affirm that today. While we're still praying, there may be others of you that you don't have that north star, so to speak. You, you don't have that, like, that point, that kind of compass in your life, that spiritual compass where, where you feel the guidance of God. You, you feel his closeness, the intimacy with him. And maybe it's because you, you don't have a relationship with him or maybe you did have somehow in some way in, at some point in your life. But today, if you were to describe your life, you're not close to God. You're not close to him. But today you say, I want to get close to him. I want to call him father. I want him to take me into heaven one day. I want a relationship with him. And if you want forgiveness, you want a father and son or father-daughter relationship with the living God, you can have that today. And I want to pray for you to experience what I and so many others have experienced. And and it's available to you as, as we go to him in prayer. So if you want that experience today, would you raise your hand if you're in this room? Just say, yeah, that's me. I need I need God in my life. And if you're online, just stretch your hand toward the screen right now and just pray this prayer with me as I lead us in prayer. And come on, everybody pray this prayer to encourage those around us today. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to prove your love for me. No greater love than you would lay down your life to pay for my sin. Today, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I stand in awe of you, a God who would love me enough to accept me into heaven. So from this point forward, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's praise him for those who made that commitment. It's awesome. It's awesome. Listen, we're going to once again worship in awe of him, right? Hello? Uh, and listen, uh, if you get a little fuzzy in between Sundays, here's what I would do if I were you. I'd get some worship music on my phone going and I would worship him through the week. And I would say, God, in this car right now, I'm in awe. What if you did that before you went into work tomorrow? Well, maybe some of you won't go to work, right? It's a holiday, a Tuesday. And others of you, you know, wherever you go. I mean, what if you did it? What if before you went in the house, you, you, you played a little bit of worship music? How great is our God or whatever, you know? And, and you thought about the greatness of your God. God, you gave me this house. You gave me this car. You gave me these clothes. You gave me these kids. I know sometimes I want to give them back, but God, you, you gave them to me. You, you gave me all this, and, and to God be the glory. Come on, let's stand and worship the, the Lord again.